Hey everyone, welcome to Speculative Work. I'm James Aaron, and this is my science fiction author's diary, where I talk about things I've learned and mistakes I've made so that hopefully you don't make them as well. I apologize because it's been a while since I've recorded a podcast, and a lot of changes have happened in both my writing and my life, and so I wanted to touch on some of those things because a lot of it's a lot of it is really interesting, um, to me anyway, but I think there are some correlations for folks that are thinking about what they can and can't share with their audiences, uh, what sort of persona you need to maintain as an author, and, and also if you are approaching your marketing and your presence, your public face as an author out of fear. Uh, fear of saying what you really want to say, of standing up for your ideals, of being who you are, um, and what that could mean for your career as an author. So that's a lot of a lot of that has been what's been roiling over in my brain for the past month. So I feel like I have some pretty solid reasons on why I haven't recorded for a month, but we'll see how this episode goes. I'm going to record most of this off the cuff. And I want to apologize up front if I mess up some pronouns because I will potentially be switching back and forth on some pronouns. And so I, I apologize if I mess that, that up um, because I'm speaking off the cuff and I didn't record this or I didn't write a script for this initially. So, But before we get into that, updates. Uh, it, it's been a busy month. So we finished Eve of Destruction and it launched on the 13th of June. And so far has had a very positive response. We were number one bestseller in a category for a couple days, like sold really well at full price and then dropped it to 99 cents. And what we typically do in Aeon 14 is books always launch on Thursdays. So that's a consistent expectation that we, you know, a promise we make for the audience. They always know the book's going to drop prior to the weekend. And then it'll be full price over the weekend for folks that pre-ordered or folks that want to support the work at full price. And then on Monday of the following week, it always goes to 99 cents and we do a 99 cent deal for five days. So that's for folks that want to get it at the reduced price. And the good thing about that is that you pick up the, your sales based on pre-orders and then any initial sales you're going to get from people that have been waiting for the book to drop and then you pick up a pretty good bump from when it goes down to 99 cents. And so that's when, you know, you can kind of see where it's going to hit in the store and where it's going to stick potentially. Uh, the problem with having a book at 99 cents is you really don't expect it to stick there, you know, for any period of time. Like even Destruction actually hit, I want to say 1300 in the overall sales rank on the Amazon store, which is awesome. I think that's the best I've, I've ever done, but it, it didn't stick there, which I, I didn't expect. So if it floats down to around 5,000 when it goes up to full price, I'll be super happy if it sticks there for a while. But again, it's making me realize how much uh, like stacking books, how useful that can be because I've been watching some other launches folks have been doing where they immediately had book two ready to go. And I think that was driving a lot of sales as well as the audio. The reviews have been really positive. Um, one interesting thing, and this happened on Vesta Burning as well, is we've seen more review activity on Goodreads than on Amazon, which is interesting. Um, but the book is trending well. I haven't got any of those, 
you know, right out of the gate, two star reviews or three star reviews that which are always so super helpful. So, so that's been good. Um, it's up to eleven reviews on Goodreads already, like in you know since Thursday, and five written reviews I want to say, and they're all five and four stars. Um, so that, that's great. Like it, it's funny how I always feel like the latest book is not my best work. And then as time goes on, it's like, no, that was pretty good. Because <laughs> I did feel like with this book, the whole time I was asking, like, is this going to just kick ass? Is, it, is this what the reader wants? Is this what's going to keep them excited? Have I written at any point something that's going to slow down action or not keep people interested in what's happening? And it really shaped the, the whole story. Because there was a 30-year gap between the last series and this series. And so there was a lot of opportunity for flashbacks. And in fact, I wrote a good 50 pages that I realized were leading me down a road that was going to create this whole backstory that was not germane to the story that the reader was getting right now. And so I dropped all that, rewrote rewrote things, and just started over again. And um, it seems to be working. So we'll see how things go uh, as we go forward. But I'm, I'm pretty excited so far. I'm really happy with how how this has turned out and also the writing process uh we were kind of rushed toward the end but um it it worked out so i'm excited about that uh other things so my story in horizons beyond that anthology made it into the amazon store and so that's cool i'm really excited about that story um i sold i i taught a podcasting class uh back on i think like the 9th of june or something which was a, a total pinch hit um, there was, there's another local podcaster in my area who is amazing. Like he's super amazing. And for whatever reason, he couldn't do the podcast or do the class that he had signed up for with a local nonprofit. And so they asked me if I could do it. And so I basically had the weekend to develop a two hour class and then deliver the class. And it's always interesting. So this was a community class given at a library in town and you never quite know who's going to show up for these things because it was a free class. <laughs> and um, I would say that 99% of the people that were there were were great. And then I had one person that was obviously like she didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> and so kept asking me, quite, you know, like sat right up front and kept asking me quest- distracting questions. And I had to do my best to keep the class on track. But um, it went really well. And the thing is, I had actually signed up to teach another podcasting class, which wasn't going to happen until like February of next year. Um, and so I've already got my slides ready to go. Um, so that kind of pushed me to get that that done. But it, it also, like developing the class pushed me to crystallize some of my ideas about podcasting and why I think podcasting is just really cool and why I, I enjoy especially listening to authors talk about their work. And... I've recently been kind of checking back in on AuthorTube on YouTube, which they call it AuthorTube, which I think is kind of a dumb name, but it's basically this community of writers that are also vlogging on YouTube. And for some reason, it's just not as appealing to me as podcasting is. And I love YouTube. Like I watch a crap load of YouTube. I love the format of just a person talking to the camera. And it might be just because I got back into it at a time when they're all just, it kind of feels like there's a lot of drama being passed around about certain authors. I'm just not interested in that. Um, but it's it's something I had been checking out. I don't know. But it kind of reaffirmed my 
focus on podcasting. I mean, I, I've always thought that if I had more time and uh, I don't know a place to do vlogging, I would do I would do that because I think it's pretty cool. Um, but it just hasn't worked out. I mean, one of the things, one of the reasons I wasn't able to do continue sentence to paragraph with my friends, um, Daryl and Molly, was it's just super difficult for me to commit to a specific time to podcast just because of work and the baby and whatnot. And so vlogging is kind of the same way. Like you got to create the conditions even more so than podcasting, create the conditions to record well. And I just can't do that right now. So, um, but that, uh, I don't know how I got off on that tangent. Um, the class, (laughs) it was a fun class. It crystallized a lot of my ideas about, why podcasting is important, why I think it's really valuable for people's voices to be heard, and how podcasting really has kind of a low barrier to entry where with some really basic equipment, anybody can jump in and do it. Like even your phone, you know, if you have a good enough phone at this point. Um, I record with a Tascam uh, DR5, but anybody can record with their phone. So your voice can be heard. If you've ever thought about doing a podcast or growing an audience of some kind or really just, you know, tracking your progress with various things, which is what I do. Um, I think it's valuable and I think it's definitely a, a, a good self tool for self-reflection. There are plenty of authors out there that I admire that if they were doing some kind of audio diary like this, I would absolutely check in and listen. I would, I would love that. So that was kind of the gist of the class and I, I felt it was, it was really successful. Um, I, I couldn't get too in the weeds on how to, uh, technically do a podcast, but I feel like there are so many resources out there that um, that wasn't a thing I needed to focus on. But it was well received, um, and I got paid, so that was cool. <laughs> I didn't expect to get paid, and then I got handed a check, and I that made me happy, so, so that was cool. Um, the way things worked out with Eva Destruction, I was into the last 10,000 words of my Nova Blue novel, which is my space opera with a uh, sheriff's deputy protagonist. So that's still sitting in the in the background. I need to knock that out and finish it. And it's it's basically in my mind. It, it's ready to go. And I want, I'll talk about that a bit more in a second because I'm I'm that's been a big part of my my what I've been thinking about lately is my ability to get that book done while I was also writing Anne 14, and that's something I haven't done in the last two years, so I'll talk about that in a second. But um, got to a good place with that book, and then because I didn't immediately p- pick it back up after finishing Eve of Destruction, because I want to get a short story done for uh, an anthology about science fiction megastructures um, that I'm going to butcher his name, but uh, Yuda Wejeratni um, out of Sri Lanka, is and Bill Patterson are putting that together, and I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I definitely want to submit to it, and I think so. Here's a little bit about strategy to think about when you're submitting to anthologies. This anthology put a pretty hard word limit at three to five thousand words, and what that means, especially with Kindle Unlimited, if you've got a low word count like that, is they can probably accept a lot of authors. So, so if you can get off your ass and submit, um, you've got a really good chance of getting in there. And so this is the kind of anthology. Like I'm obviously not doing it for the money. I'm just doing it because I would, you know, it's cool to have my name associated with uh, some other authors that I admire. And it also pushed me to think about some other, uh, just some new SF ideas that I hadn't really thought about. Um, I'm writing about a Dyson swarm, which what that, you know, a Dyson sphere would be the idea of encasing a star in some kind of material that captures all of its energy output. 
And so a Dyson Swarm is kind of the next step on that where, you know, realistically, you're not going to create a, a, an entire shield around the star. You know, if you if you have a star, you know, you have a, a planetary system and whatnot, um, it's pretty difficult to do that. Like, it's going to catch, you know, impacts from incoming objects and things like that. So a swarm would be, uh, like, spacecraft that surround the star and basically do the same thing, but can move and adapt and change um, based on, you know, whatever whatever you need. And then once you've surrounded the star, the, the next thing you can do, basically, is you poke a hole in that swarm or that sphere and you allow a certain amount of energy out at a certain point and you've created a, th- a thruster. And so that's called a, sh- a Shkedov, Shkadov, uh thruster is the, is the concept there. And so I'm, I'm writing about that, which is my megastructure idea. Um, but I, I'm not good at astronomy, so it kind of really pushes me to think about, you know, how solar systems are formed, what, if you had this rogue solar system traveling through the galaxy, you know, what that looks like and is, you know, it's entirely possible that our solar system could be doing that. We just don't control what our sun is doing. <laughs> so it's a really interesting thing to, uh, to think about. But I've, uh, I'm, that story is just going to be 4,000 words, so I'm really focused on making it uh, tight. Um, I, I actually plotted it. Like I broke down, you know, 500 word scenes. I've got uh, six, six scenes. I plotted that and I'm pretty much like giving myself a lot of room where if I overwrite any of those scenes and it ends up at 4,000 words, you know, that's fine. Or I need to add additional scenes, I can do that. But it, I haven't tried to just sit down and write a short story like that since I did the story for Horizons Beyond, which kind of came to me all at once. Like I knew what that story was going to be. This one, because I'm starting with an idea, has been harder. Like starting with the idea and then figuring out a character to fit that idea is kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I need to get it done by this weekend so I can submit it to my writer's group. And I'm pretty, I'm actually pretty excited to get feedback on this one because I've got some real hard SF, um, you know, fans in my group. So I think I'll get some good feedback on this. So, so I'm excited about that. And then the next project I would, I would work on would be, well, I'd finish the Nova Blue, the Nova Blue novel and then get to work on The Spreading Fire, which is the next novel in my Solar War series. And I'm, I'll basically be writing that book during July because it needs to be um, basically uh, submitted by like the third week of August to get it into the editing cycle and, and be ready to go. So we're basically on a 90 day cycle with this, this new series. So with each book that comes out, uh, we're including the pre-order as far as at the end of that book so that folks can can go and buy the pre-order but that means that I'm on a 90 day cycle which um, the book has you know the next book has to be written which has never really been a problem for me once things get rolling it's much easier to get the books done this first book was hard because I just didn't know where to start things where to which direction point the character like how how we were kind of arraying all the various bits on the board and now all of it's falling into place. So it's much easier to, I think, to move forward with that. Um, at least I'm feeling that right now. We'll see what my update is in July and <laughs> whether I'm, I'm really sweating things or not, but I'm feeling pretty good about it right now. So the Nova, the Nova Blue novel, what is really exciting to me about that is I basically wrote 60, in fact, I think I'm at 65,000 words now, and I wrote that in a month, which means even with the baby, 
it is possible for me to leapfrog and 14 books and and other books so you know i'd gone into this year thinking that man maybe i could just do i could if i could do eight books this uh this year like one book every two months basically um that would be amazing and it, it didn't work out that way with the baby like i we're only in a place now where things are kind of settling out where we have kind of some i i can count on a certain schedule uh but going forward if if i can do this like you know every other month basically that's really exciting like i i would have talked we're looking at like wooden pen press that publishes and 14 is interested in publishing uh my own work or if i look at other co-writing opportunities that are out there that's all pretty exciting like i'm i'm still not planning on leaving my job anytime soon but it is really exciting to be able to do other co-writing opportunities and new networking and just kind of branch out and do different things is, is really exciting so so that feels really good i think the next step is finish spring fire i i've already got ideas in my head for the next nova blue novel so if we can do something similar to what athon books does where we publish book one and then you know three weeks later drop book two and then have book three even ready to go and just do a trilogy that could be really successful so so i'm excited about that because the nova blue concept i think is pretty unique in science fiction right now so westerns have made a huge comeback uh science fiction westerns are kind of on the fringe but they appear to have a readership so this book being law enforcement focused i think has a lot of crossover with those audiences if we can find them so not only is it you know science fiction space opera but i think anybody who's interested in mystery or you know crime procedural uh, or westerns that kind of thing is going to be um really turned on by this book so so i'm excited about that and i'm really excited to see what uh what might happen in the future okay so that that's it for updates um I didn't do a lot of writing uh, this <laughs> this last week, but it's been a lot of editing. I wrote 1,500 words today on the short story, and I expect to finish it tomorrow. And then I'll do editing on Friday, basically, to get it ready for my for my critique group. So the changes in in the past month have been uh, it, very interesting, and it's kind of serendipitous in my life because a person who is very 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 close to me uh came out as as trans um and that was a big that was a big change and we're still kind of working through that that change but in the midst of that uh my writing partner who had identified as michael cooper uh let us know within the the group of writers for on 14 that you know work for wooden pen press that she was transitioning to Mal and Mal Cooper. And she announced this in, in the group and we were all kind of like, you know, okay, obviously supportive, but it didn't quite sink in like all the ramifications of what this meant right off the bat. And so, you know, when I signed the co-writing contract, it's a seven year contract as far as our books are concerned. Um, Mal always has the option of buying me out, depending on what that looks like, and finishing the series herself. That's obviously not what I would want to do. I mean, they're my books. I want to. I would want to finish them or finish a series. But it really all of a sudden raised all these sorts of ideas, and it's it's interesting because I didn't. I mean, here's the thing about me: like I I don't 
have a problem with that. Like for me personally, I want a person to live their authentic and true life. And as long as that authentic and true life uh, doesn't harm other people and helps them to be honest with themselves and others, I would rather they do that than hide themselves from other people and live in fear of sharing their true selves. Um, because I, I do honestly believe that a lot of the violence that happens in society happens because people are afraid of other people. <laughs> They're afraid of sharing who they really are. They're afraid of sharing their, you know, their fears. They're afraid of not being loved. They're afraid that if they express themselves fully, then other people won't love them or will reject them or, you know, whatever. And then they act out. And I've seen that over and over again in my job. I see it in, you know, we see it in the news all the time. And so that's, that's something I do feel pretty strongly about. And, and it's kind of like, you know, just you do you, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not hurting me. Um, but in this case, it was really interesting because, okay, as this sunk in, it's like, well, wait a second, this, this does actually impact us. And like, what, what am I, what happens if, cause here, here's the thing of Mal like really wanted to immediately sort of live the life that she wanted. And I totally support that, but it also meant like, like coming out, uh, to family. She talked about that, uh, among our group and then coming out to the fan group. And that was something I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. And I was, I had to be ready to kind of walk away from everything. Not, not because I didn't support, uh, what Mal was doing because I didn't know what the fans would do. I didn't know, you know, we write military science fiction while transhumanism and ideas about, uh, you know, gender concepts and things like that are present in the series. Like I honestly didn't know what the fans would do. And, and Mal, uh, posted on Facebook and posted in the fan group and wrote a really being the science fiction writer that she is like wrote a really thorough and well-researched explanation of some ideas around, uh, transsexuality and things of that nature. And uh, people were cool with it. <laughs> that was the thing that really surprised me and, and made me actually a little like, why was I so worried about it? Why was I like, I, and I don't know, I guess I was just, I was just afraid that people would all of a sudden attack Mal rather than continue to love the work. And that was not what happened. Like they loved the work. And there were a few people, like there were a few kind of crotchety people who were like, well, just don't put it in the writing and otherwise I don't care, you know? And, and the fact was it's kind of already in the writing. Like it is a theme of, of the future where people can be whatever they want to be. But, but that was really interesting and educational to me. And I think it's, there's a lesson there. Uh, you know, one of the, I've, I listen to Seth Godin religiously and, and he talks about, you know, he wrote, this is marketing and he does the podcast Akimbo and he talks about finding, you know, you talk, you start with your thousand true fans, the Kevin Kelly concept. Well, what if you get down to your hundred true fans that are the people that will pay a thousand dollars each, whatever you do, like what, what, what do you do to really be authentic to show up for people, to give generously to them, to get them to fully believe in you and be bought into what you're doing. And I think you have to be completely authentic in order to, to achieve that. And so that's what's really interesting to me is that in the midst of this, <clears throat> it feels that Mal has really accomplished that. 
Sorry, I had a little coughing fit there. So for me, I, I think about this a lot because I have always sort of been pretty, like, like I don't express myself on social media very much. I'm not, I'm just not a very public person when it comes to things like that. And I had sort of always just wanted to focus on the work, like my work, my work as a writer, as opposed to selling myself. And I see a lot of writers do this. And I always wonder, like, especially when they're very political on social media, like what is, what's that going to look like five years from now? You know, like what are, what are some of these people that are super, you know, uh, just loud about certain political causes. Like if those things eventually blow over or go away or are discovered to have been maybe not the right path, uh, what's going to happen to those people? <laughs> like they're going to keep writing. Are they going to like disappear and start using different pen names? Like it, I'm really curious about that. But as far as Mal is concerned, I, I feel like for the people that have stuck with her, they're with her. Like at this point, this audience is her audience and people that are coming in are, are bought in. Like they're, they're there, they're there for the ride. And that's really, that's really fascinating to me. That's really inspiring to me. And, uh, it's, I think if you are on the fence about whether you should be honest or open about, you know, all of us have different levels of comfort. I think when it comes to expressing ourselves and obviously Mal is pretty comfortable expressing herself on social media, I'm not as comfortable. I, you know, maybe it'll be different in the future, but I still just don't trust certain things about social media, <laughs> especially, um, I don't know, but th this has been a big lesson for me. And as far as the co-writing goes, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously people don't know what's going to happen in a certain period, certain years or whatever, but when you enter into an agreement with someone to produce artistic work with them over a period of time, things change, you know, and you got to be ready to roll, either roll with it or ready to cut bait and go your separate ways. But things change. Uh, and it's just uh, probably, you know, not as drastically as, as this potentially, but that's, that's the ride that we're on, you know. It's funny, I was thinking about how long it's been since I first saw the call for writers to Aeon 14, or even began, I think, with uh, we were doing an email swap for my other series that I, I unpublished. And um, I think that was, that was in 2016. So I think I've actually, Mal and I have been working, writing together, you know, almost three years at this point, definitely two years. Uh, it's approaching three years. And so that's, that's interesting, you know, in internet years, that's like a long time. <laughs> so, so I, I don't really, I, what I, the story I wanted to tell about this is just that this has obviously been a big change. I think that you, as you think about your audience and you think about, are you, when you interact with your audience or when you do anything, are you doing it out of a place of fear because people won't accept you or are you doing it from, from a place of authenticity? And I've spent a lot of time in my life being afraid that people would judge me or reject me. And it's kind of like your email list. Like you want people to reject you. If people reject you, that's information that that's, that's valuable information that they are not your audience. So 
every time someone rejects you, that's an opportunity to drill down to your true audience. And once you find your true audience, that's gold. Like that's the audience that will sustain you throughout your whole career. And so for me personally, I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate where Mal is very willing to share her audience with me, but at some point I, you know, I either need to break off and form my own audience or, you know, wooden pen press might become bigger than what it is now. I, I don't really know, but it's, it's interesting to be part of this as, as it happened. So, so that's been, that, that was a big deal this month. And it was also very serendipitous that Mal was going through this and is very open about explaining uh, her thoughts and feelings. And I think with, I, I've heard a lot of similar stories that, that initially people were like, I never saw this coming. I don't know where this came from. And then they kind of go back and look at the indicators and it starts to make sense, you know. And so for, for the other person in my life, um, who whom I love very much, uh, this was, uh, I mean, we're still, we're still working through it. Like nothing, nothing is, uh, nothing is fully defined, but Mal's story, Mal, Mal's experience has been, uh, very helpful, uh, in helping me interpret the other, uh, changes in my life. And so that's, that's, it's really interesting how these two things lined up and, uh, I'm not a big believer in woo-woo, you know, fate kind of stuff, but that's really interesting to me. <laughs> it's not anything I would have expected if we had, you know, obviously I wasn't talking about this three months ago, so it's a it's a big difference. Um, so that's been, yeah, that that that's been the the past month, and so it's a thing that I, I think, like always with the podcast for me, like sitting down and recording or finding the time to record when I'm not exhausted and wanting to fall asleep at, at nine o'clock, but also it was just some heavy stuff that I wasn't quite sure how to interpret or interpret in a way that might be meaningful or useful to, to other folks. But I think potentially it's the kind of thing that, you know, everyone might be coming uh, into contact with, you know, in the future as, as more people are comfortable sharing their, their true selves uh, with, with their friends and family and, and even their audiences, you know, and, and things change. So uh, we just, we got to roll with it and, and dig down into that true audience. So, so yeah, that was, uh, that was the last month. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for listening. I, I appreciate you checking in and I'm going to do my best to be more consistent as we're moving forward. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been a big month for me. So I'm still sort of processing these things, but as always, thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next time. So if you got any questions or any thoughts or anything, just shoot me an email at james at jamesaron.net. Until then, I will, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.